Hello, legends. Welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club United Business, Australia's number one members club connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. And today, we're catching up with a very loved Cub member, Ariel Peters. Ariel is the founder and CEO of Two Giraffes Creative, which is a video production and animation company. After being involved in producing the MTV Movie Awards, Ariel moved to Australia to set up her own video content agency. Ariel has a wealth of experience and knowledge when it comes to making great videos to communicate with your clients, and she shares all of that knowledge with us in this conversation. It is a brilliant conversation, so enjoy the show. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Ariel, can I tell you, I think I'm sure I've told you this before, but do you know you are one of the highest referring members we have, meaning you've referred the most other members in in the shortest amount of time. In the shortest amount of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a big accomplishment. I've got to do something much nicer for you than (laughs) than put you on the podcast, but um, we're very appreciative. And I've just been looking through your, your podcast prep sheet. I reckon you have the best prep sheet we've ever done. And you have one of the funniest um, personal, like your personal things. Are, <laughs> I just thought we'd just jump straight into your personal thing. Sure. You read 50 books, 50 or more books a year. You play junior <laughs> pro golf way back in the day and now getting back into the swing of things again. What's that? What is that? You used to steal Christina Aguilera's clothes. Oh, steal! Steal is it's not. The she right gave word. them to you. They they're left behind. They're okay. left behind. Yeah. Okay. They're we up got for grabs. <laughs> and, and there's a lot, a lot more things. But but anyway, we need we're here to talk about business. We're here to to talk about your story in business and, yeah. and to share your knowledge in video production because your company Two Giraffes, um, 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 from what I understand, is a video production and animation. Yes. Studio or, yes. or company, and um, and you specialize in focusing on a holistic view of marketing and video production. Is that correct? Or I'm obviously butchering it. I'm trying to repeat what, what I've read. But why didn't you introduce us to to um, two giraffes? Yeah, so two giraffes is a full service creative video agency. Um, so like you said, we do look, look at it very holistically because video needs to fit in within marketing and sales. So. How I set my company up a little bit different is I actually started with all senior individuals. So I have a marketing strategist on board, a production strategist, I'm a creative director, and we have two senior creative producers. So when we go into a project, whether it's just a one-off TVC, or if it's a multi-channel campaign, or if it's just a full year content strategy, we look at it from all the different aspects. How is this going to fit into the client's marketing? How are we going to execute it in its best ability and how do we make it super creative so people want to watch it? So, so basically, if people want to create great video content that works for their marketing, you're the, you're the member they should be going to. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, remember when I took you or when we took you to lunch to say thank you for bringing so many people into the club, um, you actually said to me, hey, listen, your brand is up here but your video content is down here. You need to sort your shit out. And and we still need to. We still yeah. need to. We definitely yeah. need to get you um, to to jump on our video content. Even like, you know what else? When we do, when we launch the CBD Clubhouse, mm-hmm. that would be a really cool, like the launch video for yeah. it, for the marketing. And even maybe I was thinking for, for the app, when we launch the app, like a run through of the app and how it works. Do you, can you guys do that? Yeah, absolutely. So when... 
I talk about those partnerships with our clients. We're not just doing their super high-end TVCs or campaigns. Um, we do a lot of creative work, but really with video, it's important to have it throughout all of your funnel. So you want to have really stapled content for your website. You want to be explaining all your services. You want to be showing those kick-ass testimonials of people who really love Cub. You want to be explaining the app because what's the point of putting your blood, sweat, and tears into this amazing app and people don't know about all the amazing things that it does. And now people expect to be able to go to video and watch this content. Um, so for websites, for Facebook, for all of these, um, having your customers have access to video content is really key. Yeah, and you could kind of use it for everything, though, because uh, like Cub's a good example because if you're not a Cub member – uh, it's a very new concept and, you know, some people don't understand how it works, yeah, how the network works. So, like, explain the videos would be huge for, huge. for us, for example. But but even for – and for any company. But even, like, uh, introduction videos, like introducing the founder or CEO or introducing the team, you know, the face of you – know, it's cool yeah. for people to be on your website and be able to look at that stuff yeah. uh, on video form. Yeah, so we work with all different sizes of companies. Um, some of our, you know – Large partnerships are with UNSW and Westpac and Colonial First State um, and O'Brien and whatnot, and we do um, all of their work. But for them, they have they've had that staple content. But when we get to probably like a lot of members that are at Cub, um, when we start that relationship with them, we really have to start from the beginning, and we're saying let's get you that staple content before we start spending all this money on creative ads for them to go to your website and it just be super text heavy. They have to read through all this information. Do you have a brand video? Um, do you have some testimonials? Do you have explainers about your services or your products? Um, so there's definitely that staple video content that's just mm. key. And once you have that, then it's really great to go out there and get the creative ads done. So you're thinking those like 15 second ads or those six second ads on YouTube that you can't skip. That you're annoyed that's, about. That's what it is. Those you, are, we can create those. We can create those, yeah. of course. And then, you know, making sure that you're <laughs> I can creating... make myself hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but what's fun is you want to do it in a super creative way. So you make that situation better for the person watching mm. and make them remember you. Um, so, that's, that's super yeah. cool. We definitely need to get into that. <laughs> you know, this is off topic. But do you know what your voice is perfect for? I just... Because I've got the headphones on. I can hear it so clearly. It's so perfect for those... Uh, what are those like TV ads where you're buying like mop buckets? Or, you know, like mop the, the, no, because the, your know, American <laughs> accent, like buy the like uh, you know the wood grill today for the cheap price of this, and also get two. That's your voice. I'm the, you've got See, the most perfect American ad voice ever. Well, I guess um, when I started my career, I wanted to be a reporter, so I did have to um, go to quite a few classes on how you present yourself when you speak. Um, <laughs> so you, you've been told so to I do probably, it. I probably do a little bit, but um, but here, because we have to sometimes do draft voiceovers before we get the professional voiceover, uh, it's always confusing for our clients having an American voiceover over the Australian one, so I don't get to do them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. And by the way, you would definitely be selling something nicer than a mop bucket. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I know, mop bucket. The mop bucket, 3000 <laughs> <laughs> But um, and, and, and I definitely want to kind of 
dive into the knowledge you have in video yeah. and how we can use that. But before we do that, I really w- would like to learn more about you and your story, where you're from. You're a Cali girl, no? Yeah. Well, originally Texas, but okay. Well, let's t- tell well. us the story of kind of you know how where you're from and how you got to Australia and 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 why you started the company. Love to hear. Yeah. Um. So start with where you're from. Yeah, I was born in Texas. Americans are really weird because we, when someone asks where you're from, you say where you're born. Yeah. Um, where actually I spent more time in California probably than Texas. Um, mom met a surfer guy and moved to California. So I lived um, summers in Texas being a complete hick. And then school year in California, surfing and whatnot. So <laughs> it was a very different lifestyle. And what's a hick in America? Um, <laughs> is it like a, a bogan? Bogan, like yeah, a country, yeah, yeah. like stuff. yeah. We had like six barbecues, and we you just sound go, like an Australian. <laughs> we just go run out um, in the forest every day and go paintballing and go swimming in the lake and just How cool. have a blast. And Americans also have like, you know, I'm from Texas, but I've also got like I went to college in like you know I went to USC. Is yeah, that like, it's like where you went to college is like a real Very staple important. part of your life. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. I find it so weird that Australians just go to school near where they live and, mm. and live from home because university was an amazing experience. And people come from all the different states because you pick a university based on um, the things it specializes in. And then you get hired based on what university you went to. So most of the time you're not going to uni near your home. You're leaving home and you're going to this university. So it's a really huge point in an American's life. life. Yeah, it's yeah. like a maturing point. It's like you got to yeah. you, you actually have to have responsibility. Well, and we have helicopter yourself. parents. So you go from this can't even be out past 10, you have to have all this like, you know, rules and regulations and then all of a sudden you're 18 and they're like, "Go off to college, have no rules, do whatever you want." It's it's wild. It's just such a change. Yeah, I'm very jealous. <laughs> <laughs> We don't have that at all in Australia, but I think it would be important for people. We kind of have that gap year where people go overseas. and, and Which is amazing because we don't have that. You know, I was told from an early age, you have to go to uni, uni right away, go to uni. So I worked, I was, you know, always an overachiever. So I worked extremely really? hard. Oh, yeah. Um, worked extremely hard and then um, got into uni. And, and what did you study? I studied, well, I went in to be a reporter. And I wanted to be a political reporter at first. And I got an internship my very first year. And I remember one of my first assignments, we had to go out and slam on this lady's door whose son just died and be like, we need an interview. We need an interview. And I remember after that, I said, this isn't for me. I don't like yeah. this at all. Um, Reporting then, can be ugly. Kind yeah. Of. Um, and then I was really into sport. So I ended up getting an internship at Fuel TV and I end up getting a job actually at a local sports station to do um, sports reporting. And I loved it so much. And they said, we'll give you more airtime if you produce your own packages. So I started actually filming and editing them as well. And they loved it. They're getting all this like free content. Um, and I thought it was great because I'm getting myself out there on air. Um, and that's when I realized I actually really enjoyed putting the story together heaps more than just reading Lines. To a monitor, yeah. And um, so you and were so I actually- switched to to video. I was that's all in the same film school, but I switched to video production as my main um, major at that point. And so because they said, "Hey, produce the content as well," you actually put yourself in front of camera, uh, recorded, edited it, 
realized, oh, wow, I love the editing. Yeah. And, and, and they would air your content that you created. Yeah. And that's kind of what set you on that path. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, weird how the world works. Like, you know, just random shit like that happens and it kind of yeah. paves the way for your future. And it paves the way. And I, I, I don't think I've fully let go of the being on air yet completely. Um, but I knew I enjoyed the other side. So when an internship at MTV opened up, I was like, I'm going to show up. I'm going to show my beautiful face around. I'm going to be really great and boisterous. And they're going to be like, you should be the host of the next MTV show. Um, but it was for production. Um, and then once I got into it, I just realized I was really good at the production side. And they ended up offering me a full-time job um, on the MTV Movie Awards before I even graduated. Um, and not to, you know... I guess get my age in here, but this was right just a few years after the collapse in the markets in America. So jobs were not happening and we were all just paid way too much money for uni just to go into a job market where there was nothing. So I remember how exciting all my professors were and they said, don't come to class, just start your job, do your thing. You can make your tests up on the weekends. Like, and I just started full-time at MTV before I even graduated uni. So. Well, that's really interesting. So the professors at, at uni can can actually have – can give you the freedom to do that. They're like, yeah, shape it around. Like they kind yeah, of shape absolutely. the education around you. Yeah, and the reason I picked the uni I went to is – Which was which one? Um, it's called Chapman University and they have a really cool film school because in America for most majors, you're not allowed to actually start the major until two years in because you have to do all your general studies first. And I was a little too impatient for that. So at um, Chapman at the film school, um, they allow you to start playing with the cameras and doing film classes from the very first semester. And all the um, lecturers are still actual producers or directors or editors and they only come in and teach a couple of classes so you're actually working with people that can get you in um to yeah, actual jobs cool. afterwards and, and so. so what did you actually have to do at the mtv music awards mtv movie awards movie movie yeah okay mtv movie awards yeah. um which i then end up working on the video music awards so i've done both of those um well at the time i was just like a production assistant so um, one of my very first tasks was trying to get as many sponsored, uh, foods as possible. So I had to call like drinks and foods places and be like, Hey, send us so much free stock. And all you're going to get is it in our crafty section and we're not going to pay you anything. Doesn't that sound great? But Christina um, Aguilera might eat your chips. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it worked. So, um, Americans love the whole fame and the MTV. Like they would be like, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how it all started. But um, and did you find a mentor in kind of in that process, or how, how did you work your way up in the sense of of the that industry? Yeah, um, the there was this really, really, really scary woman who was in charge of all of us. She was the um, head of production, and but she was amazing, and she worked really hard to get to where she was. But you did not want to be in the office alone with her because she, you know, you knew. Something was coming. Um, but she just said she saw a lot of me in her and she kind of put me under her wing and she moved me up in the industry way faster than she normally did. So the people that um, were over me in the internship within, I think, six months or a year, I was over them or on the same level as them, which definitely caused a few um, rifts a bit. But um, she just had that connection with me and 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 she, you know, really pushed me and I was there for it. Um, by, so. by push you, you mean she, she made you work 
big hours or she expected the highest quality? The highest quality for the fact that, you know, I was moving up to that level so quickly because normally she makes people um, be a production assistant for three to five years before you can move up to the next level. Um, So it was a really big honor. Um, Big hours, that's just Hollywood. I mean, we worked minimum 12 hours a day. And when we got close to the award shows, um, we would have a hotel nearby, but sometimes you couldn't even make it there. We'd just have like 45 minute naps in the crafty storage room and we'd watch each other's walkies and then wake each other up if someone came because you're working like 18, 20 hour days sometimes. It was wild. Wow. So you just, you didn't have a life outside of work at all. And you see like, so are you, when the awards are on, you're there in the back, like yeah, backstage. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have to imagine these are massive, massive um, events. And so we start with a team of only like five of us um, five months out. And then it just grows and grows and grows until on the day you have hundreds of employees and staff and production assistants. And um, I remembered my first time being a coordinator. I had, I think, 30 production assistants under me or something like that. So I had a walkie with all the production assistants on one and I had a walkie of my production manager on another. And then I had an ear pace with the director and producer and another ear. And there's so much going on. And the production assistants were quite green. Um, that means they're quite new. Mm. And um, what production assistants are supposed to do is just hide and get out of the way until you call them. But because they were green, they kept coming up to me and up to me. And what can I do? How can I help you? And I was so overwhelmed because it was my first time being a production coordinator. And someone came up to me again and the production manager was trying to talk to me. I was overwhelmed and they were like, excuse me. And I had the moment where I go, can you just wait a second like this? And I put my hand up in their face and I'm listening to the walkie and I'm trying to hear what was happening. And then I looked up and it was Jay-Z. No. And I literally like Told my him stomach just, wait a second. just went through my butt. Like I thought I was like, I am fired. There's the end of my career. Like I just ruined everything. Um, what did he do? I just started visibly shaking and he was like, it's fine. It's all right. I just need to know where Beyonce's trailer is. And I'm like, yes, of course. I'm so sorry. Ah. <laughs> no way. Um, but he never said anything to anyone. Um, no, but yeah, religion. it can be very overwhelming. And so you, you're like, you obviously you're seeing a lot of the celebrities all the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There, I mean, that's the whole point. Is, is that? Oh is no, that, is that what I was gonna say? Is that when you were stealing Christina Aguilera's clothes? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, she, I worked on The Voice, um, but it wasn't The Voice. Sorry, it was behind the music. I think it was where they just have their whole wardrobe in the back, and they get to select what they want to wear, and then they just leave a lot of it there, and it just stays there. So we have kind of sometimes. Uh, <laughs> open plan to grab what we want and we we're the exact same size so I ended up with a lot of random stuff um, that I would definitely go out and party in because I was still quite young at that time so <laughs> that's great and so then at what point did you actually decide um what made you did you make the switch to um business owner in the states or did you move first or no, what yeah. was that next uh, process well as you heard I, I went into the award shows directly after um after school, right from school and during school, being the overachiever, I do a lot of night classes so I could do internships all day. So I was working my butt off um, and uh, I just kept getting jobs, but they were all in the award shows. Um, so I was doing Emmys, People's Choice Awards, Video Music Awards, MTV Movie Awards. Um, 
and I was working these like 20 hour days and I was like, I want to get to the top. Like, that's what I want. And then, um, I was just getting a little burnt out and I was looking at the people that I was trying to become. And I had this real moment of, wow, I don't actually want to become those people. They still have no life. They all look 10 to 15 years older than they are. Um, you know, they're somehow working harder than I am and I'm barely surviving right now because I'm working so, so hard. Um, and it wasn't the best environment to be honest. It was real dog eat dog. Um, and so I always wanted to travel. I was really passionate about travel. I did a study abroad in Argentina um, for eight months during uni, and I really wanted to be able to go travel. So I decided to, um, I thought it was going to be one year. I said, I just need a one year like break from this um, before I move up any further and I never get to travel or do anything again. And um, my best friend and I from film school, we both left and we produced direct to travel show which we did in Asia and we then took base in Australia and that was 10 years ago um and it was supposed to be for six months and then we stayed for a year and now it's 10 years later and I'm still here that, it's crazy and is your friend still here yeah my friend's still here no too way. yeah that's yeah, awesome yeah he um he actually kept going with our travel show and now he's a quite famous VR director and we still work together on a lot of things. Wow. Um, yeah. Cause we won a few awards for the show. It didn't end up getting picked up on air, but it was a really good experience. And I learned so much about business going to pitch at all the meetings in LA and everything else to get it in networks. Um, and he actually kept going with the show and did it all in VR around the world. Um, and went to Cannes Film Festival and everything for it. And I decided to stay based here and ended up starting the company. That's a really cool story. And yeah. So what was the reason of starting the company? What made you think, I don't want to work for someone anymore, I, I want to do my own thing? Um, to be honest, it just came from, I guess as I kept moving up in the industry, when you get hired, when you're, when you're, just a producer or you're just kind of a worker in a, in a company, you don't think there's much you can do. Right. But I thought once you get higher up, you can make some big change. You can really make things happen. And, um, once I got to that position where I was an executive producer, I was really being seen as like a face of a company. I was the one pitching to clients. I'm the one negotiating with the specialists. I'm the one kind of putting myself out there. Um, but in the end of the day, I didn't really have any, choice of what decisions were made behind the scenes. And I thought a lot of them were really, really shit. Like, um, you know, my boss and by the way, the company doesn't exist anymore. So, um, you're probably right how, then about the shitty decision. Yeah. He, it was that in Australia? Yeah, yeah. 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 This is all here. Um, so once I was here, I ended up going straight into advertising and marketing. So I've been doing advertising content the whole time I've been here, the 10 years, um, so I was moving my way up in, you know, production companies within that sector. So what my company does and, um, he just wasn't paying specialists on time and they're like the, how we do our job. Right. And so they're giving us these amazing deals and then he wouldn't pay them and he would skimp on equipment and whatnot just to make more money. And I just remember going home a lot and just crying. Cause I was like, Oh, I just feel so shit. Like I don't, like how things are run yet it's me that has to see these people and talk to these people but I don't actually get to make a decision about what we do and it was just too much for me and um so I ended up 
leaving that and the company actually went down. So it was probably great timing. Um, and I started two drafts cause I just wanted to do things better and not just, um, the way the production was done because I truly thought I could bring my American perspective into production here because I learned how it was done here and I knew how it was done there. And I thought there was a really good middleman, um, for both. But I also just wanted to treat my team and my specialists better and um, go at the company with empathy and and just lead it in a different direction than I've seen a lot of um, people here do. So that's what had me start the company. Yeah, I guess lead it in your direction. You're such a beautiful person in general. I guess you'd want to have it. If if you're going to be the face of a company, you want to have a company that that represents your personal values. Exactly. Um, exactly. As well. So once you get to that level, I just realized I had to I had to it had to be my own company so that I could um feel good and live by my own morals and my own um way of working. And so. and why two giraffes? Um Why is that the name? <laughs> um I don't know how you came up with your name, but I remember just sitting at home and like racking my brain of all these different names and you put all these things in and they're all taken, right? And you're like, I can't figure out a name. And with agencies, you can go really direct, like video something or half the agencies, you just take two words together, dove and olive and it's like agency, right? <laughs> um, but I ended up falling on something that felt quite personal to me um, while I was at the house is that I realized that um, when my now husband and I met and he moved in with me, um, the one thing he brought with him was, well, his suitcase, but he brought his giraffe statue named Jerry, which is a girl actually, it's short for Geraldine. And he's like, Jerry's been with me forever. Jerry gets a prominent spot in the house. I don't care if you don't like Jerry, Jerry's important. And I was like, yeah, cool, cool. So we had this big giraffe statue in our apartment. Um, and then a couple years later, my grandma, who was literally my hero and one of my favorite people in the whole entire world, um, she um, passed quite suddenly from cancer. I was there with her for the last few months. I uh, flew back to America and lived there for a little bit. Um, and she was really into giraffes. And one of the things she gave me was her giraffe statue. Um, so now in my house, the most prominent thing in my home are these two giraffes. Um, and I thought it was a really good, um, my old family and my new family kind of coming together and representing that for my company. That's an awesome story. And you know what else? Anyone, everyone that listens to the podcast, <laughs> it's going to be like, now I understand if any of your existing clients are listening, for example, they'll be like, that's so, that's a great story. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I didn't think about is with my accent or I, I don't, people don't understand what I'm saying all the time. I didn't think about that because I say drafts, yeah, which sounds like people think I'm saying two drafts. Oh, uh, yeah. Because you guys <laughs> yeah. say drafts. drafts. Um, and I've tried a few times, like when I answer to, to say it in a more Australian accent. <laughs> say it and again, it, say it again. Two drafts. <laughs> and then it just sounds like I'm putting it on because I am. Um, so I really should have tested that before we went forward, but uh, I'll get better and better as we, can, as we get older. <laughs> I'll tell you something weird. My nephews have like a big giraffe statue, not a statue, like a big giraffe thing. And its name's, I don't know what camera, what your husband's giraffe was called, but it's it, my nephew's, Antoine's giraffe's name's Je- uh, Jeffrey. Oh, it hits his cherry. Yeah, yeah. It's something about giraffes and, <laughs> and Jeff, you know, Jerry, yeah. Jeffrey. Um, but that's such a cool, it's such a cool story. Would that be something to make a beautiful, a, a cool video on, on your website? Yeah. Because yeah. people are like, wow, I really know intimately kind of how you came up with that name. Yeah. 
It's something that I do want to create for our own uh, company, um, just like you probably. And um, we've been so focused on clients and we've actually grown quite a lot in our time through just uh, referrals. Um, it was all of really organic, great growth, which was super exciting. So really, I've just been um, uh, reactive to everything happening. And this year, um, because we're only three years old, three and a half years old, and this year is the first year where I said, okay, I actually want to now be proactive. And even though I've actually been very fortunate that we just have amazing clients um, and we have such a good not-for-profit arm and financial services arm and scale-up arm and um, quite a few different... You mean arms of clients? like Arms of yep, clients, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this is now I'm ready to invest back into the business and create our own video and um, do what we actually preach all the time and do our own videos. So that's something that we are starting to do. Uh, videos recently. for yourself. Videos for ourselves, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny like that. It's, it, it's a lot easier to, like, you don't always do what you preach, you know what no, I mean? Like you don't. It, particularly yeah. if it's what you do for work because you do it so much all the time for yeah. everyone else. Sometimes you actually forget to implement it. Oh, my marketing so. strategist who will probably hear this. Like she she was probably so excited to start working at a production company. She's like, great, I'm going to have unending content whenever I want. And she's had a harder time getting videos from us and probably when she worked at another company and just had to get it because we always put our clients first. And so whenever we have a moment and there's an urgent job, we go straight to that job and we're always like, we'll do ours later. We'll do ours later. So, um, yeah, we're trying to be better at that. <laughs> and so I'd love to learn more from you regarding yeah. uh, video content types, strategies, how to use it on animation, not animation. Where do you think we should start in terms of talking about video content? Yeah, I mean, video content's massive. And as you know, it's it's kind of vital these days that you have video. And it's not even that you just have video. Um, customers expect you to have not only fresh content, but um, bespoke content based on the platform or device that they are watching their content. Um, so, I mean, I remember even five years ago, um, the only thing we would do is mainly a TVC and maybe one long form video in 16 by nine format. And that was it. Um, and now when we uh, export out a video, we're doing long form 30 second, a 15 second, a six second. We have it in 16 by nine, one by one, four by five, nine by 16. We have them with subtitle files, without subtitle files. Um, there's just so many more platforms that we're doing it in. And I think um, a lot of our clients are realizing now that you can't just cut down a long form video to make a six second and it works, right? You can't just throw anything in there. Um, customers are expecting actual bespoke content for that timeline. Um, but to take a step back from that, um, it was what I was saying to you. I do think every company should start with staple content as much as I love doing the creative ads and they're really good. Um, it is, it's really essential that you do have staple content on your website um, because that is bottom of funnel and you want people when they go to your website to get to know you and understand you and you want to give them the capability of both um, learning via video or via text. And it's statistical that if you have video on your website, 
Um, it helps with your SEO, um, actually helps with uh, how long they stay on your website page, and it actually um, returns more sales. It's just an easier way to get information. Yeah. And, and, and what would you classify as staple content? So what are some of the examples? So um, if you were, I mean, for either product or services, a brand video is really important. Who are you? Like, what do you represent? Why are you here? Like, what? why should I buy from you? Um, this day and age, customers really care about what you stand for and why you're running your business. Um, are you doing it because you really care about the environment and you're actually using all ethically sourced products? I mean, that's amazing. You should be letting people know that you should talk about the reasons they want to hear your love and passion and they want to know what you stand for. So that's really important. The other thing is people forget that when you're in it, you understand the service or the product so well because you're in it day in and day out. But that doesn't mean that your client does. And the other thing that can go wrong a lot of times with text and even video is they write it in a way that excites them instead of going from their customer's perspective and knowing why the customer, what the customer needs to know and, um, and why they would buy. So having a product video or a services video, depending on what you do. And then of course, testimonials are huge these days um, because People want to see uh, a face to the name. Everyone knows now that you can buy reviews, that you can write whatever you want. So if you have actual video testimonials where you see Luke from Centauro Agency um, talking about how amazing Cub is and how he's made these, you know, networking connections and um, how great that's been. And then you have that connection go on there and say, yeah, since I've worked with Luke, now we've had this and we're partnering that's huge. You're telling a story and you're letting people actually connect with, okay, this product, not only do they stand for something great, I know how it works now. And I've now seen the result of it through this case study or testimonial. So I'd say those are definitely like your staple content. I'm like for and against testimonials. Me and Laura always have this argument because she likes, she wants to us to do more testimonials on the mm-hmm. website. But I'm kind of against them because it's like, well, yeah, you're going to make a testimonial. Like, do people believe them? Like, you're obviously choosing people that are saying good things. Um, like, yeah, I, I, I'm almost like, and like, sometimes they look a bit lame. It's just someone looking at camera like, yeah, I like this because of this. I, I think that having um, uh, like a cool way to do testimonials or a different way to do testimonials could be, uh, yeah, could be. Good. For example, and I, I want to hear. I obviously want to hear your opinion, but I'll just share what we were talking about, mm-hmm. which was well, the best social proof for Cub is seeing who the other members are. So a testimonial could be more like a member highlight, where we, sh- yeah, yeah, we showcase that member. Look, this this is what they are. This is what they've accomplished. How amazing this person is. And then at some point in the video, the member says, "Oh, yeah, what I love most about Cub is." is uh, the incredible community of people that I've built strong friendships with who now make me far more equipped to deal with the entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think one of the things we definitely try to do at Two Drafts is never just do like, this is a testimonial, this is the questions you ask. How can you make it different? How can you make it really live and breathe your brand? Um, So it's about it representing the type of company you are. You are a networking company. You're fun. You're vibrant. You have all this personality. You want to show that. You don't want it just to be people looking at camera and saying, I like it because of this. 
you can tell a story. You could actually weave in, um, and instead of it being, I like Cub because of this, you just get them to tell stories, these amazing stories, or help other members of things. And just by by presenting them, talking about helping or a really cool tidbit that they can give in advice, that's showing what you represent. You're showing that Cub represents people um, giving and um, communicating and helping each other. So it doesn't have to be so in your face. Um, and like you said, that's actually a really good way to get a lot of content. You can do these meet the team style videos where you just set up a um, stool and you get quite a few different people going through and you ask fun questions and serious questions. And all of a sudden you have unending content that you can cut together for social media um, to create a master video. Um, so it's, it's also really important that when you do these things, you think about how can you make the most out of this call out for production. Um, but in saying that, I do want to weave that into uh, just because I'm calling that staple content does not mean it shouldn't be super creative and it shouldn't really represent your brand. How we would do a brand video for you would be completely different than how we would do it for, um, you know, Diabetes New South Wales or Westpac Um or a fintech company, they would be, they would be looked at and um, briefed in in a completely different manner. Yeah, because I, I think a trap people could fall into is creating staple video content that is like you know when as soon as you, I can't even describe it in words, but you know when as soon as you press play on something, you're just like oh like that like lame stock music that they've purchased from somewhere comes on and yes. like it does that like little screen thing where it's like shh and like it, you know someone's sitting there like hi i'm there and he's like fuck yeah. get out of my face man and that's i mean one of the thing that really pews me is when i go to a website and you can tell it's stock imagery it's like yeah. you've already removed the trust for me because you're just using these random stock images completely agree. yes and so when it comes to video, that's what I'm saying. Just doing a video is not enough anymore. Um, and for us to just even commence a video, we go through a huge onboarding process. We need to understand um, the tone of voice. We need to understand the audience. We need to know, our, is our goal to get brand awareness or is it to get um, sales conversion? Is it for education? Trust, you know, is it building trust? trust? Yeah. Yes. So we need to understand all that. So when people come to us and say, I need this video, we actually always take a step back and go, okay, let's, let's talk about why you need this video. And a lot of times we find out that what they were asking for, they just thought they needed, but really it was something completely different, um, which is why with most of our customers, we don't usually just do one-off projects. Um, something we specialize at Two Drafts is, um, and the reason I have the production strategist and the marketing strategist and um, you know the creative director pillar is that we sit down and go through a pretty vigorous onboarding process um, and really get to know our clients and then we actually help them set up a holistic content approach so that um, we're being very smart about how we can take um, all their goals um, and their pain points and uh, create those within video in a really smart way um, so that over the year they're building that brand awareness, they're building the brand trust, they're educating their clients, and they're um, hitting all those pain points that they might have had before. Um, and all the while making sure we're having fresh 
um, always on content for their socials, which is what we haven't really talked about yet. Because once you've had those staple content, what you want to do is have fresh social media content that's going out. Um, but you want it to be planned and you want it to be there for a reason and you want it to represent your brand. And, and really, so a, a lot of it is to do, okay, what's the, what's the purpose for this video? What, why are we making this video in the first place? Yeah. But I might make this up, but from what I hear, what you guys act as is like the, which is the video creation part of your business. So if we already understand your business, the brand, that type of thing, um, we can create ongoing videos that, that suit that based on the current purpose. So really the most important thing is that first part. It's kind of like the brand. Who is the business? And I'm sure a lot of businesses will probably learn a lot about themselves when sitting oh, yeah. down. Like okay, yeah. what do we need it? What are we representing? Yeah, and that's yeah. why we found out we we are definitely not just a production company. That's why, you know, our tagline is your creative video agency. We still very much stay in our own lane in the sense of we do video. We do photography as well, but it's just video because video itself is changing every single day. There's new equipment, there's new platforms, there's new creative trends. Um, and so we want to be the leaders in video, but within video itself is super complex. And um, I think marketing directors who already um, have so much on their plate and they already kind of have to be unicorns of being across so many different types of marketing, even in our large corporation clients, you know, none of them have the capabilities to have a full video production company within their, um, you know, their staff. We work with so many different specialists to make things happen for animation or live action. So we sit down with marketing directors or CEOs and we say, okay, what campaigns are going on this year? What are we trying to achieve? Is it, um, you know, building brand awareness or is it actually getting more sales on this new service that we're providing? Is it our launch of our new um, clubhouse? Um, what do we want to lead people to? And we think of the whole year as an opportunity to do so. So I don't like to look at things as just one-off videos. I don't think that's the way and I don't, and it's definitely not the way of the future. Um, and it's definitely not good on your, uh, on your budget. Um, because when we can strategize ahead of time, and I know, let's say we were going to do a launch of your clubhouse, but you also have the new app and you um, have a few other initiatives you want to get out. If we know that ahead of time, when we go out to film you, um, we can ask all of those questions. We can get more content. We can have that in the bank so that, you know, every week you can have a new video on your socials. Um, and that way you're really getting the most out of everything you're filming, everything you're editing or everything you're animating. Um, so having a bigger picture uh, for your video is just as important as your other marketing journeys. You just need to take control of our videos, I reckon. And um, and so, sorry, you started getting into, so there are the staple videos, but then there's the ongoing, there's the different, like the social videos. And I guess, yeah. how do you strategize around that? What, how do you create a video strategy? Yeah, so... Um, as discussed, we have a pretty vigorous onboarding process and uh, every company, and I know you probably hear this a lot, but it's true. Every company is just so wildly different. So one of the things we need to find out is what type of audience are you going after and are you currently getting them or are we now having to open a whole new route of marketing to get to them? Um, we need to figure out what platforms to focus on. There's so many different platforms that what you can really do is death by platforms and you try to 
um, get content across everything instead of saying, you know what, I know my client, my future customers are on LinkedIn and Instagram or LinkedIn and Facebook. Then knowing that means that we can at least make sure that we're really concentrating on those two. And on creating video specific content that work on those exactly. platforms. Exactly. And, that, and that's a good way to keep your budget, like to, to not blow your budget. Like you, people don't have to say, I know you were mentioning there's, you know, there's all different sizes of videos and stuff now, but you don't have to do all of them. Yeah. You know, you could just say, well, okay, well, we just want to have some staple video on the website and then we want to have some ongoing uh, video uh, content yeah. for LinkedIn and Instagram. Yeah, so we actually work with clients where we do like monthly payments and we do content for them all the time. Um, oh, you so, do that? Yeah. So I pay you a retainer Yeah. and then we'd say this is the uh, video, that video quantity and stuff that we're going to get every month. Yeah, exactly. So um, what we do is we sit down for that initial onboarding meeting. We come up with a strategy for the full year. Um, but then what we do is we meet every single quarter because with marketing um, and the reason we have a marketing strategist on board to work with the marketing director at the business is because you want to look at all the data that's coming out, which ads are doing really well, which ones aren't. So we're really flexible and agile that even though we've maybe planned all this content for the year, if we find out that creative A is just doing so much better than creative B, well, let's throw our, our budget into creative A and creating more series around that. Um, so we work with our clients to constantly kind of be there almost like internal video arm, but they get this full team of specialists because what you need is your organic video, but then you need your more creative ad content. So when you're actually doing paid media on Facebook, LinkedIn, um, BVOD. So that, that's the more creative. That's yeah. like, it's a, it, like a marketing campaign style. That's video. a marketing campaign style video. Um, so usually for paid media, it can either be, you can still do TVCs. Um, but we're finding a lot of our clients doing the 15 second ads. It's become very, very popular. Um, and they usually live on BVOD. Do you, do you know what BVOD is? Absolutely no idea. So, um, I thought you said beaver the first time, you know, like <laughs> the things that eat the trees. Um, so it's when, let's say, you're really into The Bachelor, right? You, you love The Bachelor, um, but you don't, you don't watch cable TV anymore. So you just watch it. You go to the channel online and you watch the show via their online channel. They still make you watch ads and you can't skip those ads. So those are the ads. They're not your normal TVC. They're the online Version. ads versions and then your in-stream ads are those videos that you can't skip or you can't skip the beginning on youtube which is youtube you know is just a massive platform um and then of course you have your socials and your paid media on um on your social media channels and what's your opinion on um so because obviously you can film video content but you can also you know when uh, companies have those like cartoons, not cartoon, what's that called? Animation. Like animation. Yeah. Because I like them. I think yeah. they make good explainer videos sometimes. Oh, my gosh. We love animation. Um, I would say we do 50% animation and 50% live action. But what's the benefit of the animation, would you yeah. say? What's good about it? Think about it. The world is your oyster. You can make anything happen and you can perceive things in a completely different way. So let's imagine you have a financial services company um, and you're talking about how um, – this is going to skyrocket your business through this financial dividends. 
how what, how are you going to show that in live action? You just have someone sitting there going, mm. right? Or showing money that doesn't that doesn't really represent it correctly. So, but if you have animation, you can have a pig on a rocket flying through space, right? So you can really represent it in a completely imaginative way and you can have as much fun as you want. So you have no limitations of the real world. That is cool. And yeah. is it more expensive though to do animation? It can be a lot cheaper to do animation because think about there's no bounds. So in one animation, we did one for UNSW recently where um, we did, it's for a climate change course. And we had the kind of ode to the magic school bus. And it goes through all these different scenes of what's going to happen in the future if we don't, you know, study climate change and do something about it. And imagine trying to actually do that in real life footage. There had to be so much 3D and, you know, rotoscoping and green screen and actors and everything to make that happen where we were able to accomplish that for, you know, a fairly great budget and get them something that's just so imaginative and really gets the message out there. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, Sometimes we definitely recommend animation over live action and we'll always let our clients know with, depending on what they're trying to get across when animation's the way to go. Um, and then of course there's doing both. So you can have a mix of live action and animation or graphics depending on the, on the content. In the one video. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, but is there one, is there a type of video that or purpose for video that animation you think works better for? Explainer videos are definitely amazing for animation. That was kind of the birth of animation in yeah. marketing, wasn't it? Because that, that's what I would picture yeah. personally. Like when you picture an explainer video, sometimes they're in animation that work really well. Yeah, I mean animated explainers work so well um, because you're seeing the visuals, you're hearing it, and a lot of times there's also text on screen. So you're retaining so much more of the information your customers are. So it's just giving you better return. And as we talked about, you can just do so much with it. Imagine, you know, we had a client that has one part inside a toilet that does all this amazing stuff. Can't really film that. Doesn't look that exciting if you were to try to film it. But we create a 3D product of it. We take it apart. We show all the things it's doing. We have it go through. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, that's Oh, your amazing. client owns a toilet company, you're saying? Well, it's it's a part. A part of the, the toilet. toilet. <laughs> yeah, you need animation um, to make that look cool. <laughs> so um, there's just, you know, but we've also done uh, animated television commercials. Um, so you can use animation in all different ways. And there's so many funky, cool styles that you can do. Um, but if you said what was a main reason, I would say explainers and educational content are wonderful for animation, but you can have so much fun creatively and other things too. And if you had kind of uh, the most important things someone should know or think about when making video content, kind of like tip, yeah. tip or trick on video content, what would that be? Look, I, I mean, if we take that whole step back, it's it's also why am I making this content and what is the point? What am I trying to achieve from this? After my customers watch this video, what are they thinking? What are they feeling? What are they going to do? Because that is absolutely essential. Um, you know, we're a very collaborative company. And if the business we're working with has a media buying agency, we always ask to talk to them ahead of time to make sure our briefs line up. Because if they're going forward with paid for a, what they think is a brand awareness campaign, but we've been told it's supposed to be a um, sales conversion campaign. 
we might be take, making a video that's for the completely wrong thing than what they're doing. So um, really stepping back and taking proper time to understand why you're creating this and make sure it really fits your brand and not just like, I saw this other company do it, so I want to do it. Because someone should be able to watch that video and say, that is cub. Yeah, because I think that's equally important. Well, yes, I need to know the purpose, but also you don't want to make some, like what I was describing at the start, like those really boring videos. No. That you're like, I'm not even going to watch this. You want it to represent your brand yes. correctly and make it unique, like something a bit different. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I mean, you're very um, – uh, you, you, you're in obviously an amazing uh, point in life and you're you're all upbeat and, and, and you're an amazing person, but you have uh, overcome some adversities – uh, in the past, um, which I read in your prep sheet, um, you were quite sick in college and things like that. And, and yeah, like- um, you wrote on there. It's it's funny because on the on the prep sheet it says you know put something that no one knows about you, and I'm like. Man, I'm a I'm an extrovert. I say everything. I barely <laughs> like, like there's, <laughs> there's not really anything that no one knows about me because I'll just blab about anything. I'm just a very open person. But I guess that is something that I haven't really talked to anyone about here because I think it was quite nice when I moved here that no one knew about that because you've not seen differently. But yeah, I got I had this surgery on my stomach and it went wrong and they actually they didn't realize that at the time um it was after months of being in hospital that we figured it out but they actually um burnt through my esophagus and hit the vagus nerve which is the nerve that goes through your whole entire body um and so about a few months after the surgery when I could start eating again I started having these like wild seizure type things and we couldn't figure out what it was so I ended up not being able to eat food for ages. I had to be on IVs only for months. Um, started losing my nails and hair. We didn't know what was going. I started, like, my organs started shutting down. How old were you? 18. Oh, my God. Um, and it was scary and it was painful and it was just horrible. And no one could figure out what was going on. Um, and it was a bit like house because no one could figure out what to do. Um, and so the Mayo Clinic, which is quite a famous um, hospital in Minnesota, uh, they actually took on my case because it was so weird. Uh, <laughs> so I had to move. We flew to Minnesota and I was in the hospital there for a few months um, with like a whole group of doctors. And um, yeah, definitely almost died a few times because my organs would shut down and they didn't know what to do about it. And then that's when they figured out what was happening. So, um, it just took a few years to heal and it was really, it was definitely really intense. And it was definitely, I've always been a very like, um, I've always been me, but that experience made me realize that I was never going to not be grateful for what I had. Right. I was, I was just so excited to make it through that. And I'm just always so happy every day to be healthy and to be able to live in these moments and to give it my all. So it definitely, you know, when you're that age and you go through that, it definitely probably shifted who I am today in a lot of ways, because you just really appreciate what you have, which you don't always do when you're that age, you know, just for the listeners. So they know the reason I brought that up was because I just think hearing stories like that and, and overcoming real adversity, real I mean, that's a, a horrible um, thing to get through and to get over. I mean, it was life-threatening, like, like you're saying. 
um, it's important in times like COVID times to to kind of hear, well, you know, yeah, things are bad, but people experience worse often. People in great positions experience worse things often and and uh, they push through them, you know, they survive them and, and, and they become stronger people because of it. And I think that's just an important message. And I want to hear um, um, – I'd love to hear about your experience with the club. I mean, what do you love most about the uh, about Cub uh, with your time thus far? I mean, there's a reason I've referred so many people in. Um, I have just found it to be such a wonderful experience because, first off, look, I was so excited to start my own business and um, we saw success from the very start, which was amazing. Our, our very first client was Transport for New South Wales and then our second one was University of Sydney. So we had big clients from the start, but man, I didn't realize how effing lonely it was going to be. Um, you know, I'm such an extrovert and because I've worked in production my whole life, my whole job has been to be and collaborate with all these individuals all the time. And now, even though that we're doing really well, and we have quite a few employees, you're still the boss. And there's certain things you just can't talk to about your, you know, with your employees. And you also feel like you can't talk to with your friends. Um, I think, you know, there was a moment when we started doing so well that we got so many jobs that I was really distressed because I didn't want um, our quality to go down because of the influx of work. And we're at a dinner party and I brought it up and oh my God, the eye rolls I got. Oh, poor Ariel doing so good. Um, and I felt so awkward because I, I was like, no, this is actually a problem. Like this could be really detrimental to my business. And then in my very first core session at Cub, someone brought that up and everyone started speaking on it. And I just remember that moment of going, oh, it's just so nice. My to people. Have my people. <laughs> um, and I've just found having that network just absolutely amazing. Um, and I've already made some really good relationships from it and people that um, we communicate all the time and keep up with each other and everything else. So um, I've just found it to be just an absolutely wonderful experience. That's why I've referred so many people. Oh, well, that's <laughs> very beautiful to hear. So thank you. And because you actually have, I feel like I've known you for so long, but you've, you've only been a member. I read it somewhere. You've been a member for less than a year, almost a year. Yeah. Now, so it hasn't even been that long, but yeah. it's great. It's great to hear that. And I mean, you're an avid reader, as I mentioned at the start. Um, have you always loved reading or is that something that kind of you did when you became an entrepreneur, you thought, oh, everyone reads, so I should start? Or? No, I've always loved reading. I love reading and I read quite quickly. It really frustrates um, my husband because I can get through <laughs> books so quickly, which I don't know if it's a good thing or bad thing because I spend a lot of money on books. And what's what's your, what would be, I guess, a top book recommendation that you have? I, I love fantasy and sci-fi um, shows and books, but I actually, I, I read a, huge array. I, I do nonfiction. I'll do, um, you know, the dirty mystery every once in a while. Um, but oh, so you don't just read business books or things like I that. Don't. You love all books. I love all books. I actually have a hard time reading business books and I need to be better at it because, um, and I've actually Cubs been really good for recommendations for business books because I found a lot of the most popular ones. Um, I hate when the first hundred pages are just like, I'm so great. Everything's so great. I've been the best. This is going to be the best information you've ever heard in your whole life. And then the information could have been done in like 30 pages. Um, 
So I had a hard time with business books. And then I've gotten some amazing recommendations since um, starting Cub. So. Well, I'm very discriminatory when it comes to books. I, I, I will only read books to do, with, not just business, but if I'm learning something, I'll read. Like I'm only reading topics I'm learning. And you have a, a favorite quote, which I thought I'd read. If your dreams don't scare you, they're too... They're, <laughs> Fuck, I wish I could read. <laughs> Maybe you do <laughs> need to read more books. Scare you, they're, they're Too Small by Richard Branson. I think that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful quote. Uh, Ariel, thank you so much for your time today. And, yeah, thank you. And for being a member of our incredible community. We're so privileged to have you. And to our listeners, if you want to learn more about Ariel at Two Giraffes and some of her key lessons in business, head to cub.club forward slash podcast and you will find all the information there. Hope you enjoy the show.